The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, February 3rd. Sure, why not? Um, I lost track of the days as we lead up to the Super Bowl. That sometimes happens, but we're excited for it. It's happening in Tampa, also in Tampa, also on a Wednesday. Oh, wait, Wednesday, Tampa? It can only mean one thing. Oh, man. We should have gone live for this so people could see how we... uh People don't believe that I could be like awake in the mornings, but here I am awake. Why, why didn't, uh... that is true. Most people think that you're like a, a post 10 a.m. guy, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Pete Briscoe is a post 11 o'clock guy. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Pete literally, <laughs> literally Pete, they said on a company meeting planning out the Super Bowl, Hey, can Pete do the mornings? You know, that's when we want to get this thing kick started. High energy morning football talk from live from Tampa, 32 degrees on the set. Everybody wearing mittens. And they're like, well, one, Pete will look a little too much like that Bernie Sanders meme. And two, we know he can't wake up in time for an eight o'clock hit. So we can't do that. This is true. Even though he says he never sleeps. Um, but oh, oh, you, you know, know what, you know what I might, sleep. you know what I might do? I might start putting, uh, refacing Pete's. So I have the reface app. I just went ahead and bought it. It's like 25 yeah. bucks for the year. The reface app. It's this app where you can take somebody's face and put it onto a GIF. And it's, it's like face off, but just on social media. It is. Yeah. Like face off. Right. Except there's now unlike face off, the other face doesn't go to the other body. Right. I mean, that'd be a literal sense of it. But by the way, face off underrated movie. Uh, I never thought I got enough appreciation for just the creativity of, Hey, let's make a movie where you can literally rip off people's faces and put them on other people. And no one's going to notice like, this was how long ago was that movie made? Like twenty years ago, nineteen ninety-seven. Because, and I, I know that because, do you? I mean, do you realize what a heat check Nick Cage was on in ninety-seven? Oh my god! Con Air and Face Off, two of the I mean, all-time great late nineties action movies. And, and by the way, I mean, was it National Treasures? Whatever the like the series he was in, he crushed sure. it in that. Now he does a great job with uh with, with like some of the different cartoon or um that's probably a terrible word for saying it. Like the Croods, he's the voice of the dad in yeah, the Croods. I know that. Yeah. yeah like he's been a ton, he does a ton of like voice work now too. National Treasure was really more like two, it was 2004. I mean, you gotta remember, like, I mean, you, so you gotta, I mean, this is a brand best, new football. Best, best Nick Cage movie ever. Ghost Rider? No, God, no. <laughs> it's face off. It's, it's face off for Con Air. You gotta remember, like, the difference between what you could do from a filmmaking perspective in 1997 and 2004, because it's separated by, you know, 9-11, right? Like, filmmaking completely changed in 9-11. Wait, what a, what a way to kick off the Wednesday Super Bowl week show. We <laughs> just into 9-11 filmmaking. Um, but, but like in 97, I wouldn't be, even be surprised if, if Face Off secretly had an Oscar nomination, because that's how unserious things were in the late 90s. You could do whatever the hell you wanted from a filmmaking perspective, including have John Travolta and Nick Cage 
with Nick Cage playing a super villain who, by the way, is like sort of a, like dresses up as a priest and is kind of like, like right. gropey with a, with a, with like a choir girl. Like the things that are happening when 99, the Oscar went to American Beauty. That ain't happening now. Like you ain't, you ain't dropping that movie and winning an Oscar. Certainly not with Kevin Spacey in it, but face off. It, it could only happen in, during a tiny window in American culture and American history. And with the, with two superstars at their apex, John, or I guess re apex for John Travolta and then Nick Cage actual apex. And it, it yeah. happened. I, I just want to know how much acid someone had to have dropped to go, you know, you know what we haven't made yet. Uh, let's make a movie where we just rip people's faces off, put them on other people <laughs> and like they just switch lives. Like how can, how can we make people change? You know, each other's life, but in a different way that we haven't done it before. Let's just rip people's faces off. We'll call it face off. Now I'm trying to remember was the, was the impetus for the actual face. Oh, Travolta is going. Wait, which one is bad? Nick Cage. Travolta is the good guy, right? No, no, or is Nick Cage the good guy? Nick Cage is the good guy. But then he switches, he has to become the bad guy. He yeah, has to, okay. yeah, he has to put on John Travolta's face to go under, undercover to That's try, right. and, to try and take down this crime syndicate or whatever. But then right. Nick Cage is, wakes up in the laboratory with Travolta's face, like, cause I guess they had to, did they have to move Travolta's face or is he hold somebody hostage and make him put Travolta's face on? Either way, there's know. like this, they're ripping faces off. There is a moment where you see a faceless cage and they have to, yeah. they have to drop the face back on. And then he goes and takes over the good life and he's like, you're never getting it back. This is like my free and, you know, and, and there's a, a very, a, a moral quandary there for, right. for the guy. So yeah. Uh, also you what know, was how many hockey players were upset that they stole the title of the movie and now like you can't have that for a hockey movie. Um, it's everyone's going to think Nick Cage, John Travolta. Speaking of, uh, John Travolta heat checks. Do you remember the movie, uh, swordfish? Of course. Yeah. Cause. Yeah, you probably yeah, remember. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, if the, there's, if there's one movie you associate something with, it's like Halle Berry. All right. Yes. Ha- yeah. Halle Berry. Dude. Yeah. So I watched Swordfish the other day because it was like randomly on like several, like a couple weeks or a couple months ago. What I mean, channel? Uh, it was, it was the unrated version. <laughs> <laughs> or it was the, it was the properly, it was, it wasn't edited, but like John Travolta's character is the biggest douchebag on the, in like the history of movies. Yeah. He's got like the long, like little, like he gym. plays that role really well. Yeah. And he like, there's a scene where he like pulls up at a club. It's like slow motion. He gets out. He has a little like striped, striped goatee thing going yeah. on. Yeah. You think they call that French tickler? If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, we're, uh, we're six minutes in. And all we talked about is John Travolta and Nick Cage and late nineties, early two thousands movies, um, that are terrible. So <laughs> I just love how you keep saying Nick Cage heat check. It was 97. If you're Nick Cage and you had face off and con air, you feel like you are the king of the world. Um, all right, let's get to the podcast. I imagine people who listen to the show are like, what, what goes on? Did you know how cold it is here in Tampa, by the way? Like, like the weather hasn't been talked about enough because now they're forecasting the potential for rain. It has been very windy all week, which. You know, playing in Buck Stadium before it, the, the wind could play a huge factor in this. Both kickers suck up and Bucker have missed a number of PATs. Like the, the, the kicking game's not safe. Like just early, early so far. I know the, the weather's going to warm back up, but 
There's been a lot of wind, and it will play a factor in the game, I think. Interesting. Now, the wind right now is four. And this is, you know, we're ta- we're recording this on Tuesday. You're listening to it on Wednesday. We're probably 24 to 48 hours out from actually being able to say, okay, this is what the forecast is going to be. The wind looks like it's going to drop later in the day on Sunday. That could that could obviously change. And as you point out, maybe the wind is amplified in the stadium. Uh, it looks like it's going to be 50% chance of rain throughout the Super Bowl. What a nightmare. That is – Especially for two teams like to chuck the ball around. It could play – look, one of two things is going to happen. Either it plays to the advantage – of both offenses since, you know, there's the typical misconception that just because it's raining, you can't throw the football. Right. You can. It just comes down to whether or not your wide receivers can keep their footing. It's really more of a challenge for the DBs. Now, this is a grass surface, and that becomes even more important because depending on the rain and how the surface holds up, in grass, it's a little more iffy. If it's field turf, you feel fine. Like, your receivers should be able to have good enough footing or it shouldn't be a problem. So hot take. Uh, all hot, hot, I got I got I got a weather football field condition hot take for you. It's not even a hot take. It's just a theory and I'll see what you think. The weather on Saturday more important than the weather on Sunday. Uh if there I understand what you're trying to say cuz if there's a, a ton of rainfall and then it impacts the field conditions, yeah. Uh technically though these fields down here drain pretty well. Okay. So if it's got any time whatsoever, like, for example, if you're right, if it rained a ton Saturday and then rained again Sunday, yeah, you would have a hard time getting rid of that. But if it rains Saturday, not Sunday, it probably could drain dry out well enough. Um, but I, I think the one thing you said that I, I would a little bit disagree with just from living in South Florida is – The quick showers? Change. Yeah, but, like, weather – like, I, I used to tell my wife all the time whenever we'd go out on a boat, we'd be like, hey – just check the weather a couple hours ahead of time because it could drastically change where you have a pop-up T-storm, you have, you know, some sort of wind change. I mean, it really can change within 24 hours. So even though we're still a number of days out, I, I would still say like, you got to follow this thing pretty much up until, up until the, the morning of, of the game. Uh, all right. So uh, you as a former football player and quasi professional gambling analyst, um, looking at the, this, like, do you think that the, if it, cause it, it looks right now that it's going to basically start raining. Saturday evening and it's 50 to 60% chance of rain through the Super Bowl, which is not ideal. As you point out, I mean, it could end up being sunny during the game. Who the hell knows? But, um, do you think that this favors either team? I would think that it maybe favors Tampa Bay a little bit because uh, they're so good against the run and maybe more likely to run if they needed to, if there was wind and a ton of rain. Uh, and then I would think that it probably favors the under a small degree just because maybe. Right? No, huge, huge. I think the play there's more of the under. Uh, I wouldn't want to take a side either way just because I think both teams could probably still play through adverse conditions. Um, you'd think that the uh, a slight edge would be to Tampa. I mean, they're playing in their home stadium. Any adjustments they need to make from cleats and, uh, you mm. know, changing out from the, from the molded to screw-ins and all that stuff, you know, they're going to have the, the accessibility to do everything right there, uh, which will be an advantage Ooh. that we've never seen. Tampa first half. Because the Chiefs don't fly until Saturday, so they'll maybe get a walkthrough on Saturday in the stadium. I would, I would hope so. Yeah, but that doesn't make quite as big of a difference, you know, as far as like the walkthrough and confines and all that, you know. And even when they fly in, like that's if that's their normal operation, so be it. You know, I, I actually think that probably you know, helps them kind of stay in a game flow. No, no, I just I, meant I meant from like a like Tampa's going to be here all week. They're going to be able to test the field a little bit more. 
they know the field, what it's like when it rains, whereas the Chiefs have played here once. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I don't know. I'm just looking for angles here. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know that they're going to be allowed on the field, really, especially because it's a grass surface. So you're going to have the painting and everything else that's done for the logo and board. Like, I don't think they're going to have much access to it. Um, and plus you're probably kind of keeping them to their typical, like kind of quarantine protocol. Sure. So you're not, you know, taken to, to a different environment like that when there's been other people kind of mess around or walking around. So I, I, I don't see it so much being that. I just think it's, it's going to be more of a, uh, kind of wait and see how the weather is going to play a factor in all this. And if it does rain throughout the course of the game with the front seven of Tampa, if they, they need to run the football more, that's going to be tough for the Chiefs to do. And then on the flip side, you look at how playoff Lenny has impacted things in Rojo. <laughs> you know, I think Tampa Bay has shown the propensity to say, we can run it if we want to. We just really don't have a desire to. And plus, by the way, like Tom Brady's been great in, in adverse weather. So, yeah, it probably plays. And if you're looking at two weaknesses, by the way, of these two teams, like Kansas City has been really good uh, against the deep ball, which we know, you know, Tampa Bay likes to do. And Tampa Bay's secondary is banged up. So if, if you're getting a rainy, crappy condition game, it definitely plays the advantage of Tampa. So I, I might like maybe taking the points there with Tampa. Uh, first half under for sure is the play. And I think total game under Ooh. is something else I'd look at heavily. Yeah. I like the first half under too, because I'm a little worried that we get this game just because it's Brady and Mahomes. And we've seen this happen in, you know, in Foxborough with lesser weapons with, for, for Brady and with a coach who's a little more conservative, um, just from an offensive game plan perspective where it, you just start trading scores. And I mean, I don't think that's out of the question where this is a close game going to the fourth quarter and they just start swapping touchdowns, which would be a delightful for our, for our ratings and, and for the trickle down effect that, uh, will actually have no, no bearing on my paycheck. <laughs> but but it should right i mean there should be some fractional if super, amount right. if the super should bowl it, is awesome why aren't we all getting bonuses where's the cash oh billy brinson's paycheck somehow yeah dish out the cash where's that paramount plus money come on <laughs> i'm plugging cbs all access left and right here baby you do you're a company man more so than anyone i've ever met before i mean heat check right now as far as company man you are it oh like you're it as far as the industry standard. I'm the, I'm the 97 Nick Cage of company man. Is that what you're telling me? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of the fact you're wearing a Nike golf hat right now, uh, which should be a CBS hat, which you need to make one with that little, the thing over the bill. I don't even know what that's called. The rope hat. Yeah. The rope hats hat. are in baby. Rope hats are. I, I know you, you've worn a variety of them. Every podcast. Look, look, I got a bunch behind me. That's how you know you go on a boat often. Oh, Tuffy? The advertisement? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I had to, I had to uh, keep that one off. I guess I can put the Tuffy one back up there now because it's not a, it doesn't, it's not an incendiary. Like Tuffy looks like the type of hat someone would have worn back in Caddyshack. It, yeah, it also looks like a hat somebody would have worn in like November 2016 and November 2020. That's why I had to hide it. And people were like, what, a, what the hell is that hat? I was like, no, no, that's a beer hat. It's fine. Beer um, hat. anyway. Let's, uh, oh, I should point out, speaking of company man, that the props game is up on Sportsline. You can go to, uh, or go up on CBS, excuse me. You can win a million dollars, guaranteed $50,000 to the winner. You win a million bucks if you guess every single question correctly. It's a CBS Sports football props game. Uh, get in free for your chance to compete for the million dollar jackpot. Just go to cbssports.com slash props or do the even easier thing and download the all new CBS sports app. I don't know if you mess with it, Brady. Uh, people were a little thrown off with the updates that we put through, but once you'd go to switch, switch your settings, go to settings and hit compact view. Once you do that, yeah. everything else is cream cheese, baby. Um, 
That's a great movie too. Teen Wolf. <laughs> By the way, to your point though about the compact uh, settings, I did that. I took your advice last time we did this podcast. It's a game changer. You helped me navigate through it, and it is. I completely get what you're saying. Uh, much more user friendly. In, indeed. Uh, okay. By the way, in the feed, we got a lot of great stuff. Of course, the Brady Quinn football show. We have a super friend show. Uh, we'll have bold prediction, top props and best bets. And, uh, now we're going to talk some X's and O's. Make sure and watch CBS Sports HQ daily from Tampa. The set looks awesome. You guys are socially distanced. It's fantastic. Can't even tell. Like Tommy Tran and Amanda Guerra and I assume Chris Hassel too. Uh, are they separate? Are they, are they on a separate like host uh, set? Is that what's going on? I can't really reveal exactly what's happening, but there is one big set and everyone's spaced out to abide by COVID-19 protocols. Why, why, why can't you reveal uh, what's happening? Well, I mean, Tommy's on the same set. He's just on a different little host spot. Oh, it's just a big set. It's a big set. Okay. You can reveal that. I mean, it's fine. Uh, I mean, I don't want to like go too much behind the, you know, smoke. Well, there was a press release that came out that was like, watch CBS Sports HQ with host Chris Hassel, Amanda Guerra, and Tommy Tran, plus analyst Brady Quinn, Danny Cannell, Pete Prisco, and others. And two things are amusing to me for that. One, Jamie Eisenberg is apparently and others, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's been made aware that he's, uh, and others, but that's, you don't want to be and others. Trust me, it was brought to his attention. Okay. Uh, that, that announcement and the fact that and others was brought to his attention. Yeah. Like I'd rather not be like, cause I'm not, I'm not at the Super Bowl this year and that's fine. Cause I don't live in Florida, but if I was at the Super Bowl and I'm and others, I'm a little miffed. You know, you want to, you want to get a name check Especially when you uh, are as successful and fantasy has as big of an impact as fantasy has had. But yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah and sure then, but also it is amusing that there's two hosts. So Amanda and Tommy are on the thing. And they also use your headshot. So Pete Prisco. I think it was just a good headshot, you know? Right. But I'm just saying they don't, Pete Prisco's headshot, nowhere to be found. I'm That's a, because you keep posting stuff with reface with Pete Prisco. <laughs> what if they just put it, they, what if they, <laughs> they're there to put it out there? What if they did? It was like, like Tommy, Amanda, and then like Pete is Bernie Sanders, like meme <laughs> with like the mittens. <laughs> um, anyway, it seems like it was, uh, it seems like it was pretty cold. Uh, on that yeah. set. It's, it's very cool to, well, I mean, you're right off the water there too. There's a lot of wind whipping through. Like I said, I mean, it's, it is, um, unseasonably cold for, I think, what Tampa usually is accustomed to this time of year. Okay. Uh, so we talked about how the weather might impact things. When the Chiefs had the ball, uh, how do you think that we're at the point where the Chiefs offensive line issues and they're missing, uh, two tackles? Is it being overblown or is it not being talked about enough right now? Um, it's probably somewhere in the middle for me. I mean, I think most, most people I talk to, I listen and want to hear their opinions on, I think are touching on it because it is real. I mean, look yeah. at the NFC championship game and the fact that, you know, you had a, a backup left tackle, uh, going up against Shaq Barrett and JPP and you, and you watched even just that offensive line and how they have a hard time, um, you know, in their one on one matchups, but also, you know, people tend to forget this group, it takes chemistry. You know, when defensive fronts run TE stunts or ET stunts, and all that means is really they're just crossing one another as they rush, or they'll rush up field, and then one guy will start to kind of basically replace to the, the end spot, and that end will wrap back inside. You know, there's communication and chemistry that's developed between offensive linemen. Well, if you don't play a lot with one another, you get on different levels 
And when you get on different levels, meaning, you know, if, if the, you know, the end rushes up field like that and, and you've got a tackle that kicks back really far and then you've got, uh, you know, a D tackle that kind of pushes, but then starts to wrap outside. Well, there's going to be seams created in the separation between the, the, the offensive tackle and offensive guard. So, you know, those are issues that you try to work through during training camp throughout the course of the year and practicing, preparing for it. So look, you've got two weeks to prepare with this group. I'm sure they've seen every single stunt and game and pressure that the Bucks have run this entire season. You know, that's what you do in every down period and off period in practice. Like when you're not out there for seven on seven as linemen, you are lined up and you're walking through the different blitzes. You're reminding them the different pressures they can run. Um, but there's, there's going to be times when there's not nothing you can do to help those guys. Like when you get in bare fronts. So when you cover the center and both guards, you're now in a straight one-on-one matchup across the board. And Mike Remmers, which we've seen him struggle in a Super Bowl four back. Oh, buddy. And, and then you look at the other side with Wiley, which this isn't his natural position. You normally plays guard. When you look at the challenge they have in front of him, like it is going to be tough. And on top of that, Daniel Kilgore now, he's because of contact tracing. Granted, he's a backup, but he's on the COVID list. If anything happens to that group, they're already as thin as it gets, right? Like they're projected starters to begin the year four or five are in different spots. They're not there. So, uh, it's, I, I don't think it can be talked about enough because this, these games are still won and lost to the line of scrimmage. And I think the one thing that, you know, that the Chiefs have going for them is even with these offensive line woes, they get the ball out of Mahomes hands so quick that that's where they kind of nullify everything. Well, and that was going to be my question is like, Andy Reid has two weeks to prepare. Andy Reid, not a moron. Andy Reid is fully aware of his offensive line issues. And you would have to think, I mean, totally different defense that they're facing than the one they faced against Buffalo. But, I mean, you know, for as good as Devin White is, and as much Instagram smack talk as Carlton Davis likes to, you know, toss out there, I mean, you still got to cover Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in short, in short, in short, in like tight spaces. Because if you yeah. don't, they'll, they'll get free. Like, it's not like the Chiefs have to be bombs away Star Wars offense here. They, I mean, they'll get the ball out quick. And then all of a sudden, I mean, how, how many, how, how much of that short, short yardage passing game needs to happen before it just eases Todd Bowles back? Because I mean, it's not like if they, if the Bucks come out and blitz like crazy, I think Mahomes carves them up. Well, yeah, no one blitzes or pressures more than the Bucks, right? Like that's what we know looking at the regular season average. Uh, or just watching them, you know, watching tape. And so the question really becomes like to your, you know, to your point, do you really want to risk like them being able to beat you off the line for a quick big score? Like, is that how you want the game to start? Do you want to give Kansas City that sort of momentum? I mean, let's not forget this Chiefs team got off to a really fast start the last time these two teams played. Week 12. Tom Pretty, Tom Pretty historically gets off to really slow starts. He's, he's never scored a touchdown in the nine Super Bowls he's been to, right? Scored one time in the first quarter in a Super Bowl, I believe. A field goal though? Yeah, it was a field goal. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've never scored a touchdown though. So even though they got off to a fast start last week versus, you know, the Packers, historically we've got a pretty, pretty big sample size, right? Nine Super Bowls he's been to for whatever reason, it gets off to a slow start. And if that's the case now, even though it's Tampa, a new team and all that, I mean, and you give Kansas City, you spot them 14 points. To me, it's, it's game over. And, and you might say, well, you know, look, there, there's an ability for the backdoor cover. Like we saw the last time these two teams played. So be it, but they're not winning the game. So I think that's, that's the risk is giving up big points, giving up big plays and allowing Kansas City to be in the driver's seat 
And that's the last thing I want because a team that's going to be in the driver's seat that's having offensive line issues, like I would much rather them have to be in a position where they have to drop back, take chunks, take shots downfield, and you make Mahomes, you know, hang on to the football uh, and try to go win that way. And I just, I don't foresee it happening this way. By the way, the, uh, let's see, the super, Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator for two, this is kind of interesting, two Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? In, uh, 2000 and, uh, was it 2008? Yeah, 2008 against the Cardinals, which they lost, and 2010 against the Green Bay Packers, which they lost. Do you know how many points the Pittsburgh Steelers scored in the first quarter of those two games? Come on. Uh, I'm going to guess zero. Three. Three. Okay. But still, like, no touchdowns for Bruce Arians as a court, as, you know, and it's Byron Leftwich calling the plays or whatever. And by the way, like, let's look back through this season. Like, let's just look at this Tampa Bay team. They're not, they don't get off to fast starts. No. Like, th- that was what was so surprising about the NFC Championship. Yes. Game. We were proving that. It's like, I didn't see them driving down the field scoring a touchdown right away to start off that game. I, I think the Packers fans who were there were a little bit surprised. I think the Packers players were shocked by it. So. Well, and, uh, and, and the touchdown that they goal. scored, you know, to your point, like, there were four, like four insane third down conversions. Like they really had no business going down there and scoring it. If you get them off the field once on third down and Green Bay goes and scores first, I think it's a totally different game. And Green Bay right. didn't do what they normally, like Tampa plays well. Kevin King has awful coverage. And then Green Bay doesn't run a very well scripted drive. And all of a sudden it's, you know, you just feel like you're out of sorts. And I don't, maybe that, ha- I think if that happens with the Chiefs, Yes, obviously it's it's to Tampa's advantage, but I don't know that it necessarily slows down Kansas City that much. No, no, and and, and so that's where you got to kind of mean. Look, it, it when you play against a team that let's just say they're one of the greatest offenses of all time. Like I think it's fair to say that Mahomes will be a Hall of Fame player, Kelsey's gonna be a Hall of Fame player. I think Tyreek Hill is, you know, Andy Reid, Hall of Fame coach. Like you start looking at some of the pieces and you compare them historically to some of the other best offenses. Greatest show on turf. I said this earlier today. It kind of reminds me of that, Ooh, right? That's a like, good comp. And like Tom Brady, you know, that was where he got a super, first Super Bowl win. You know, that was the last time he was an underdog in a Super Bowl. This exact same scenario, an underdog versus a team that's got this high-powered offense. But what you kind of fail to forget is, you know, that New England Patriots team largely won, and, and he played well, but it was largely based on the defense. It was largely based on the, the way they could control games. I just don't know that I see the Bucks being able to do that versus this Kansas City Chiefs team, uh, the way they've played. So, well, I mean, you can, there are a lot of people, including members of that Rams team, who believe that the the Patriots had a significant defensive advantage in, in knowing exactly what they were. I mean, they look. You can ask Tory Holt. You can ask. I mean, Isaac. Ask Marshall Falk. Ask any of those dudes. They they'll yeah. tell you that they think that they knew what plays they were calling, and maybe they did. Uh, regardless, your point is that, and I agree. Tom Brady was a game manager that year. He just made a bunch of clutch throws. And right. I don't think in 2021 that you were – let's say Tampa gets a 28 nothing lead, right? Right. I, I, I don't care. I don't know what the number is, but I think it's got to be in the 40s for me to believe that the Chiefs are out of it because they can score – I like, would say 30s, but but I'm with you. Right, like, like 35, 35 nothing. 35 nothing. I'd be like, all right, I think the Bucks are probably winning. But like twenty eight nothing, I'm like, I mean, I would be hammering the Chiefs money line. Um, right. at that point in time in the game. No, what, no, no, no doubt, no doubt. What um, would what would be the what would be the what's the absolute floor for uh Kansas City's point total in this game? Like that like 
Uh, I would say 24. I was going to say less. I was going to say 17. Wow. Cause, cause, well, cause we, between the defense and the weather, we don't necessarily know that it would play. And, and who knows? But I would say 17, 20 points kind of feels like the floor to me. And what happens if they have a couple drives where they miss, miss a couple kicks? Sure. You know, Butler, cause the win, cause the conditions, he misses a couple of field goals. Like that gets you kind of down from that. Oh, I think they'll score at least 23, 24. That gets you down to that kind of 17 number. But the thing I was going to say though is, is you go back to that Super Bowl where like defense won championships, you know, whether it's 2000, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens, the 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks team with the Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and, you know, Simeon Rice and Ronnie Barber, like all these John Lynch. I mean, Hall of Fame caliber guys. This Bucks defense doesn't have those players. They have really good players, but it's also a different era of football, right? Like this isn't a defense wins championships anymore. I think most teams would say to you, like, you've got to basically just get off the field four or five times and you've got to be able to slow a team down and play really good red zone defense. Like that's what this has become now. Like I even think third down, you know, just especially with the way like defensive pass interference and defensive holding, you know, calls are made. You now look at like, we just got to get to the shortened part of the field. And we got to hope and pray that our offense executes in the red zone and our defense is able to force field goals. Like that's what the game's about nowadays in the NFL right now. It's drastically different than the last time the Tampa Bay Bucks won a Super Bowl. You're not trying to get a three and out. You're trying to stop them. Like just don't give up a huge play and get stops. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because I think so oftentimes you get big enough plays on first and second down. Like the teams who are the best offensive teams, they throw on first and second down. Like yep. they're not as they're not like run run. Now it was a little different though cuz considering how much Tampa stretched the field, that first drive was like run run pass, run run pass, run run pass. Like they, they started the game off that that's, way. But that's, the, that's, that's why we liked Green Bay in the first half and the first quarter because that's, Tampa's game plan is like run, run, pass. And Bruce Arians, I don't know that he gets away from it against Kansas City if he thinks he can be physical. Whereas we did see Green Bay do some of the same thing. It was really disappointing to see them yeah. think that they could be physical in the run game against Tampa. It's like, dude. You have Aaron Rodgers. Just wing the ball around early and often and force them to, you know, get back. It's a banged up secondary, right? You know, one that's not without Antoine Winfield yeah. and one that was ended up missing their other starting safety. So but see, I, the Chiefs will do that. Right. The Chiefs they're, will they're not, not come out and run the ball against Tampa. They won't. No. No. They're not afraid to throw the football around, utilize the matchups that they have. And, and I, I think that's what the game's at now too. You know, talking with some head coaches in the NFL, in particular one, you know, that now that's, that's, that's not. Uh, head coach right now. One of the things we talked about uh, in regards to a former player that he had was just how like, that's not how you go about building your, your roster anymore. Like it really is centered around, you know, tackles, offensive line play to protect your quarterback and then guys to throw to like, that's what this game has become. You know, there, there's such a, you know, running backs to become an afterthought now as yeah. far as the way they can impact games. And you can, you know, people say, you, you know, Pete says you find them on trees I'm not going to be that disrespectful, but I do feel like you can find running backs in a variety of ways now. Bushes, bushes, shrubbery. Yeah, wherever you, yeah. Uh, Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We'll talk about Tampa's offensive approach. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. 
from LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Okay, so we mentioned that Tampa might be run, run, pass. I, I you know, I think the, I'm so annoyed because I really like Green Bay in the first quarter in the first half. I like Green Bay's team total. And I just thought that Green Bay against Tampa didn't do what they needed to do in order to be successful on offense. Like, Tampa's great against the run and they were getting Vita Vea back. Don't try to run the ball. It's pretty obvious. And then Tampa, for whatever reason, for as much as Bruce Arians is don't, you know, no risk it, no biscuit and all that, he, they don't, their game plan, they are perfectly fine with running the ball in first and second down and to their detriment, I think. And Tom Brady converted a bunch of third downs. Now, maybe he'll be able to do that against Kansas City, but I mean, I tend to think that the way that this game sets up Brady, with that offensive approach from Tampa Bay, Andy Reid on the other side and Eric Bieniemy dialing up, you know, what they dial up. And then Steve Spagnolo as the defensive coordinator. I mean, I feel like I can just picture a situation where Tampa gets down and then they like, why wouldn't Tampa come into this game and say, we're going to do the opposite of what people think and just throw the ball early and then we'll run to run to close the game out. And do you think there'll any chance they take that approach? Uh, potentially. I mean, I think if you want to go like the Las Vegas Raiders route, really the, the only time we saw the Kansas City Chiefs lose with the starters this year, where you're just saying like, we're going to go after them. Like, we're not going to be scared. We're, we're going to take our shots and we're going to show them right from the get go. Like, th- this is how this game is, is going to be won. Um, that could be one approach. I, I want to go back on one thing though. The run, run pass, like that philosophy, you have to understand like you're implementing that philosophy for two reasons. One, because you feel like you need to do that in order to get your team to have a chance of winning. Cause you feel like ultimately that's going to benefit your defense the most. It will shorten the game and, and it will help, you know, c- kind of control the game, if you will. The second thing why though is because you want to actually put more pressure on Tom Brady. I always felt like as a quarterback, if you're going to force me to only throw on third downs, there is no more pressure put on my shoulders than that. Throwing the football 50, 60 times a game, that's easy. That's fun. You know, throughout first, second, third down. But if you're going to basically say, I'm going to hand the football off twice and, and, and wait, let's say three minutes, four minutes legitimately to then throw the, oh, I don't know, two or three minutes to throw a football every time, that's more pressure on a quarterback. So you could actually make the argument like the way they played versus the Packers put more pressure on Brady and, and they, and then they know they can rely on Brady to be able to deliver and win. So they can go that route and win. It's just, it seems unlikely that that's the style that's going to get them to be able to beat the chiefs because no one's really done it that way in order to, to be able to beat them. You know, it, it's literally been their offensive philosophy throwing downfield like they've done all year. Like it's been more of that. Unfortunately, just, it didn't work against the chiefs the first time around. 
Yeah. And I, I really think it's, I, I just, I don't know. Like I, 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 the pathway for Tampa to win is, is obviously there, but I just think it involves them being aggressive on offense early and getting some key stops or some turnovers. You know, we, we haven't really seen, I mean, we've seen Patrick Mahomes trail in games in the playoffs plenty. Like it happens, it happened several times last year and we've seen him in a compromised position against the the Browns, but I, I, I do feel like they were probably going to take care of business against the Browns. The thing with the chiefs is that in and, and Mahomes is that we've never seen him play poorly in the playoffs. You know, like he's never, he's had these games against like against Miami. He threw some picks early and yeah. uh who did he throw three picks against? Late? He was just like, like he's had some games where he's played poorly in the regular season. Has he ever had a bad playoff game? No, and and look, I just think the the one thing is about Patrick is regardless of how he plays in the first three quarters, like he finds ways of turning it on. Like I don't get there's not many. I would say it's 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 so interesting watching him from what he was at Texas Tech and then what he's been when he's gotten the NFL. Because if you had any concern about his game, it was that he was going to force the football or do something, um, you know, make a make a unwise decision at a terrible time of the game like you saw that at times made at texas tech but you tend to forget they had a like a terrible defense when he was there so he had to take those chances now since he's gotten to the chiefs i think he learned that first year sitting behind and you know um you know sitting behind um alex smith and 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 i think (laughs) sorry that's fine I, i was like i was like who i was like baker mayfield no, sitting behind Alex Smith, I think he learned for a year just the fact that you don't have to always win the game with every single throw. Yeah. And, and that's been the big – I mean, look at him in the regular season this year. I think it threw, what, six picks? I mean, yeah. you really saw the growth from him throughout his – you know, the past few years starting and just making even better decisions. So, I, yeah, I don't I don't foresee him, like, feeling the pressure or getting into that moment. Like, I think this is a more pressured game for Tom Brady than it is for Patrick Mahomes. I mean mm. – Mahomes has already won the MVP. He's already won a Super Bowl. And you might say, well, you know, if he wins two Super Bowls in a row, now it puts him in elite company. Well, okay, but he's also in a third year starting. Like, I, I think he's not a 10 year deal. Like, there's not much pressure on him. He knows he's going to be in Kansas City. He knows he's going to be under contract. He, he has all these things in front of him. And he already has the Super Bowl. That's the right. thing. Like, already has that under his belt. Like, it's more like, all right, is Tom Brady going to be back next year? Is this his last year or second last year? Like, there's a lot more questions on that side of things. And I think, you know, he's going to have to make r- some perfect big time throws in comparison to Mahomes, who can throw a slant route to Tyree Kill for an 80 yard touchdown. Like, there's just a lot more pressure on Brady to play perfect in this game than Mahomes. And I think, you know, that, that plays to Mahomes not feeling like he needs to, you know, win the game with every throw and have a poor game. And I think that, that filters into Andy Reid too, because I, Andy Reid to me is, you know, Ryan Wilson, our, our pal, remarked the other day, and I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast, but he's like, you know, he said this after the Browns game, maybe he's like, everybody needs to just start thinking, what would Andy Reid do in this late game postseason coaching situation? And that's crazy to think about because 10 years ago, Andy Reid was the guy who caught more flack than anybody, or even five years ago, the guy who caught more flack than anybody for his, his coaching decisions late in game. And now he's just somebody who makes the smartest decisions. But back to the, um, the Bucks offense and the Chiefs defense. What, what do you think Steve Spagnolo, who clearly has success against Tom Brady, um, you yeah. know, beat him. Everybody knows 2007, perfect season, Giants yep. defense. This is not that Giants defense, but I, I think the Chiefs defense is 
better than people give it credit for. And they do have some like elite level playmakers. Um, yeah. Chris Jones in the interior, Frank Clark on the edge. And that's where, you know, when you look where Brady struggled this year throwing, it's been the edges. You know, yep. if Frank Clark can have a game or however they go about bringing pressure off the edge on Smith and on Werfs. Werfs, who's, who's a rookie, by the way, he's gotten better, but still. Uh, that that's where I think you know they win this game. If they can move, they always say move him off the spot. You know, move him off the spot. Well, what does that mean? It's where when he gets to the back of the drop, you want to force Tom Brady to either slide to the left, to the right, up in the pocket, anything that's going to get him out of rhythm, out of sync within that particular play, right? Like your footwork as a quarterback always co- coincides with the routes, the depths, and the timing of when the ball should be out of your hands. If you can get him off the spot, you've already disrupted the timing. He's going to have to rush his feet and his throw in order to be able to get back on track uh, to work through his progression. So if you do that, you have a much better chance of him throwing an errant football, making a poor decision, or just the window already closing and not being there anymore. That's going to be the biggest key for them. I think that, you know, they're going to mix up looks as far as their coverage, as far as their pressures. You know, we know that, but the big question becomes, you know, how they go about trying to take away, you know, Mike Evans. I, I think if they limit Mike Evans and he doesn't have much production down the field or, or really scoring t- touchdowns, that's where I think it becomes, you know, to their advantage because you know, I don't know how healthy Antonio Brown's going to be. Chris Godwin's catch percentage has been awful once he's gotten the playoffs. He's had a case yeah. that drops. He hasn't played well. Gronk isn't the same Gronk that he played with, you know, within New England. And then outside of that, like, are you going to give Scotty Miller more of an opportunity? I mean, every time you throw to him, it seems like he comes up with a big play, but they only do it once or twice a game. Like, that's it. Uh, Tyler Johnson gets a couple targets a game. So it really comes down to, you know, who's going to step up to me outside of Mike Evans? Because if they shut down Mike Evans, I think it's going to be a tough task for Tom Brady. He might be holding on to the football too long. I think it's a, it's a, I mean, it's kind of obvious and not, I don't know. It's not obvious, but like you're, you're, your explanation of get him off his spot. I think that phrase gets thrown around too much with respect to, you know, analysis, especially when we talk about Tom Brady. It's like, you got to get him off his spot. Get him off his spot. But like, when you start to really think through what it means, and the way you described it is perfect, but you think through what it means, especially for a 43 year old quarterback who isn't mobile, like he's, he's, he's great at moving in the pocket, but he's, he's just not fast. Like he never has been and never will be. If you, if you force him to move drastically to the left or right, it, it not only, like you say, it not only changes his platform, like Mahomes can do that because Mahomes is this limber freak show of an athlete. Tom right. Brady is limber and, and pliable and all that, but a 43 year old man without the athleticism of Patrick Mahomes and, and he's doing it while trying to go through his reads. That's to me, that's where the, it's a trickle down effect of Chris Jones oh. creates that. And then all of a sudden the honey badger's flying in and snaring something. Right. And that's where, like, when you look at this Chiefs defense and you look, compare it to, for example, the 2007 Giants defense, it was different. They had the NASCAR package with the Giants. You know, they'd bring in those defensive ends. They'd push them down to the D tackle spots. So you have four defensive ends in on those anticipated passing downs. And so the pressure that you are creating, in particular from the interior, was based on speed and quickness. They don't have that same group, but they do have Chris Jones. And Chris Jones can rush the passer in that manner. So, you know, he's the guy who's going to also have to have a big game. You, you talk about Tyron Matthew and, and the way they move him around, him having hands on the football. Uh, again, it kind of goes back to putting him in a position to kind of spy Tom Brady because the one thing that Brady has to do, and you kind of pointed it out, is he has to address his throws. 
he doesn't have that arm ability of Mahomes where Mahomes is moving backwards or opposite of the direction he's throwing and still has the velocity and still has the accuracy to get that throw off. When Tom Brady aligns to a throw, that's where he's going. He's got to get his feet set, his shoulders square in order to be able to drive that ball there with that sort of velocity. Well, that's the tell to most defensive backs. You know, when they're watching a quarterback and the way he's, you know, looking downfield or addressing throws, you know, once they see those shoulders turn, just like in those DB, you know, those DB drills when they're warming up, you know, they have the ball, they push this way, they push it that way, yeah. and then eventually they turn. Once they turn, they know he's going to throw. And so they're breaking that way. Well, with Mahomes, the dude's moving backwards. <laughs> moving backwards. That's a good point. Flicks the football out quick, and you don't really have time to react to it. And so that's going to be one of the biggest differences is if they can move him off the spot, again, it gets him behind the normal rhythm or timing of the play, but it also allows that secondary, especially when they're going to play zone coverage, to have eyes on him and then see where he's aligned and throw the football and be able to get a jump on it. And worth noting that last year against the 49ers, and obviously a very different team, but, you know, I mean, Jimmy G, a little more mobile, but not, you know. I mean, they had eight quarter, eight pressures and five QB knockdowns. And I, I think when you just – you sort of look at – Chris Jones's numbers don't pop off the page because right. – but he was creating – such havoc on the interior against San Francisco last year. And then yeah. Frank Clark, his numbers do pop off the page because he ended up with a sack, three pressures, and a quarterback knockdown, where it's like, that's, I think, is kind of going undersold in all of this. And, they, you know, they have Ali Marpat, they have Ryan Jensen. They got dudes, physical dudes on the interior. You want, to, want to tell you something to look out for? Yeah. Shotgun snaps. Ooh. Jensen's been really erratic. Keep an eye on shotgun snaps, bad snaps. That's going to throw off either the timing of quick passing game, maybe even the running game and shotgun. But I would not be shocked if you didn't see an errant uh, shotgun snap in this game. He has at least one just really bad snap per game where it's either really high or really low. And yeah. Brady's been. And, and, oh, sorry, and it makes it even tougher when you've got a tough D tackle who may be playing over you, or or you play some of those five down looks where you, where you you know make that center accountable for a guy across from him. Like that puts a lot more pressure on him, especially when they're talented players. Should we be betting on uh first score uh Bucks safety? I would sprinkle some because I think the value is ridiculous. Well it wouldn't be Bucks, right? Be it would Chief be Chief safety. safety, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But uh yeah, I mean it's it's gotta be plus what, two thousand, something like that? Uh probably yeah, yeah, probably two hundred to one for if you pick the team that get in the safety. Because in if, theory if you could do any time safety, I I like that better than maybe doing especially if it's like end of game, they're trailing, you know, Aaron shotgun snap and they're backed up trying to come back from behind. Is, is this by the way, is this is the Jensen thing, is it a like a uh is it a mechanics situation or is it this guy's just gassed up and like looking to like he's is he nervous or is he like just like trying to like, you know, like when you try to run without catching, you try to run before you catch the ball. Is he trying to like run before, like get off his snap before he snaps it or whatever? Sometimes it's one of a few things. So it could be that type of center, a guy who just tends to be a little more amped up, tends to be a little more on edge. Um, and you get some centers that, that, that operate that way mentally because not only are they, you know, echoing the calls up front and all that, they might be have even more responsibilities depending on their protection and how they communicate it. So sometimes guys are just kind of more high strung. And then every once in a while when they get stressed, they, they tend to kind of fire the football back in an erratic fashion. Uh, it could be the fact that he just doesn't have quite as much chemistry with Tom. I mean, obviously they played a year together, but you know, when you work with a center for a long period of time, you know, you've got the hard counts, you've got the double cadences, you've got all these things. 
And so like it got to the, there, there's, there's a point in time where, where a center can tell in your voice as a quarterback when, when you forget the snap count, like, because you'll go to like, let's say it was on, you know, a hard count, you know, hard three. And you're like, set, what did he, why did he hunt? Like they'll, they'll almost snap it. Cause they're like, that's his normal on one cadence. Instead of like, if I'm doing a hard three, you know, you'd be doing something like you said, you know, white 33, why 33, hot, hot, hot. Like, <laughs> they'll even know the cadence of how you're doing it. And so, cause they're so accustomed to it. Well, when you don't work with a center for like years in that long period of time, you know, sometimes, you know, you might even get surprised by the cadence or surprised by if he goes to an alpha, alpha, blue go or something like that to get the shotgun snap quicker. So, you know, it, it's a number of things that it could be the case of, uh, or it could just be the fact that every once in a while he's that kind of center, you know, sometimes you get, you know, it's like, it's like Trubisky, you know, sometimes he'd be out there, good ball, <laughs> good ball. Where'd that come from? You know? Yeah. Like my golf game, you know, it's like bang, bang, driving, driving. And all of a sudden, woo, just w- wildly out of bounds. Um, okay. Do we I had something else? I wanted. Oh, I was going to, I was going to say safety. Uh, will there be a safety? Yes. Six and a half to one. That doesn't feel like enough value to me. That's a no is minus 1000. So yeah, in other words, I mean, and I think that, I mean, obviously they're not going for like a, a bot shotgun snap for the Bucks kind of thing. I think it more speaks to the edge rushers you've got in this game. It's a lot of respect for the both defensive lines. And, and just the, I think the more interesting thing too is like, if we think there's going to be a lot of scoring, that means there's probably going to be a lot of kickoffs and there's probably not going to be a lot of backed up, you know, field positions, you know? So then even how those safeties would come about are kind of interesting, right? Like, yeah. I don't know that we're going to see that many, that many punts. Uh, and so like the field position should be pretty good for both offenses. I have a weird, like I had this sort of vibe last night and I, I don't know. I have the last, the final scoring play of the game, chiefs intentional safety, 30 to one. That's still not enough value. I'd want like a hundred to one. If you're picking the final score of the game to be the chiefs getting a safety, like that's, you gotta give me more than 30 to one. And. I, I, I personally would rather just go anytime touchdown and sprinkle the board on, on a lot of different players, you know, whether, cause usually the odds are great, right? You're getting, you're getting plus odds on almost everything. And I think it's worth it to pick like five players. Cause I do think you're going to have, you know, six probably players between the two teams scoring touchdowns that are fairly easy to anticipate, right? Yeah. Like Kelsey, Tyree Kill. Yeah, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, and then you start thinking about, all right, maybe some of the running backs too might get involved a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely some the most value. Like those are my favorite bets. I think if you're looking at Super Bowl and you're trying to make a nice return on your money. Okay. By the way, first scoring play of the game will be field goal or safety plus one fifty five. I mean, what do we do? Like, in touchdowns minus one eighty. I'd much rather have. I mean, it could easily be a field goal. That wouldn't be shocking. But I mean, right. I. I I don't, I don't know that I see, and, uh, I looked up, um, first scoring play, Tampa Bay safety 35 to 1, KC safety 40 to 1. Um, still not enough for me for a first I scoring play. I need, I need, if you're picking one, which team you're, it is. You're basically saying like the Bucks get the ball to start, Jensen fires the ball over Tom Brady's On the first head. snap. Yeah. Like we saw from Denver and Seattle, yeah. like New York, that's Super Bowl, but. I just I don't see I don't see any value there in taking that one. I'd need like two hundred to one to take it. All right. Well, that's it. Brady and I talked you off the safety ledge. Um anything else we gotta cover? We think we got think it's good talk. Good football talk. Uh, yeah, I mean I look I, I think it's oh, yeah, what's your as, oh yeah, I won't talk to you again until after the Super Bowl. So what's your I mean, 
at least on yeah, the podcast. Look, I think the game's going to go. Kansas City gets off to a faster start. Tampa Bay's playing from behind. Uh, I, I, I see Kansas City winning this one by a touchdown somewhere in that ballpark. I see, I think they're covering. I, I just have a hard time believing it. And I know usually the losing team has more to make adjustments off of. And I, I think it's hard to beat a team twice. And, but I really can't read into the second half of that first game and, and go like, Oh, that wasn't kind of Kansas City's own doing of slowing things down. Beat it you know, being a bit more conservative. So I just think this, this offense, this Kansas City Chiefs team is too good. Unless there's an injury to Mahomes, I, I, I just, I still foresee this, this Chiefs team winning the Super Bowl. See, my thing, and I, I agree with you. My thing is that I think we're sort of sleeping on it because the Chiefs, because the Browns kept it close and had a chance to win that game, but without Mahomes in there. And I think if Mahomes plays the whole game and isn't injured, then the Chiefs beat the Browns by like 17 points. And then all of a sudden they've beaten the Browns by 17. They've beaten the Bills by double digits. And those are good football teams. And this line is maybe five because the Chiefs are coming in with those two cruise control wins. The Bucks have had a little tougher time at one, three straight road games. And, and, and look, I mean, the Bucks got lucky to a degree in terms of just how things have bounced for them against New Orleans and against Green Bay and, and maybe mistakes by the coaching, the other coaching staffs or the other players. So, is it weird? The, the longer we go in the week, the the more I'm thinking like under for for. No, I, I, I think the under a whole way here. Really? Because I I could see this game being a shootout, but I could also see like Kansas City winning 31-17. You know, like I, I, like I feel like that could end up being the final score of this one. I, I don't know why, but it, you know, I just I think Kansas City would have a little bit more difficult time than I think most people think. And you got to realize too, like it's not about trying to pour on points. And Andy Reid Smarty knows that. Like, they're, if they're going to get in the second half and they're up by, you know, three scores or two scores, they're going to start playing a little more conservative. They're going to start to try to kind of play to win the game, win the Super Bowl again. And I, I think, um, so there's two, two teams that are really good about this. Nick Saban in Alabama and Andy Reid in Kansas City. Second half unders when they have a lead. Because, oh, yeah. the, because not only do they want to, they want to just chew up the clock and they want to take these long drives and don't really care. I mean, you want a touchdown, but if they come away with a field goal, so be it. Um, and defensively, that's when Kansas City is the most dangerous because when you're having to drop back and drop deep and pass deep and try to catch up to them, I think that's when Honey Badger is more aggressive. I think it's when Chris Jones gets after the quarterback and Frank Clark too. And I think when the one thing that people can't account for is just how lethal Patrick Mahomes is on third downs on these long chewing up the clock drives. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he can carry a team, you know, in that run, run pass mode if they get there anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. But we've also seen them, you know, with the, with his completion percentage in general, like they're not a fl- threat to floor on any down. I mean, and inverse pressure, I think he's completing like 66% of his passes. He's, He's been pretty special too. I, I mean, as good as Tom Brady is, and he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but like I can see a situation where Tampa gets down and presses both offensively and defensively, and they're trying to blitz Mahomes, and he's just getting the ball out quick over the middle to Kelsey, and it's just, oh my God, there's, there's eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Tampa Bay's down two scores. What can Tom do here? And maybe they cut it to one. I just have a hard time believing they, st- they storm back against a KC team that can just keep churning do, up. Do you see this maybe playing out? Was it the Steve Young Super Bowl with the 49ers? Wow. Did they beat the, game? the Chargers game? Yeah. I don't think it's that bad. Like 56 to 28. So but it's kind of weird. Like I, I remember watching that game and it being over in the first half. You're like, Oh yeah. I, I don't, I don't see that happening only because of Brady. 
and the weapons they have. But I mean, I could see, I mean, if it was 28 seven at halftime, I mean, at that point you're thinking, all right, you know, the Bucks are going to make it, the Bucks will make it a one score game probably at some point. But the question is how much time will be on the clock and who will have the ball. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't, I don't see this one getting too far out of hand. That's why I feel like, you know, part of me is saying if, if that number creeps any higher, like three and a half, you know, cause I, I think your downside risk is a push for Kansas City. Cause I do think they'll win by more than three, but if not, you know, I think they'll win by three. Uh, if it gets a little higher than that, you know, three and a half, four, I like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking now more Tampa. Yeah. Uh, Just on a backdoor situation. No, there's not a backdoor situation and it might be worth the risk. And the other thing is, and, and I feel like, you know, they don't, appreciate this the most uh, enough about Tom Brady's game. He takes calculated risks as, as good as anyone. Him and Aaron Rodgers are probably the two best when they want to take a shot downfield or when they want to take an opportunity, you know, to put the ball in harm's way. It's always in like a position where they, you know, their guy gets it or not, or, or if it's intercepted, it ends up as basically a punt or it's a time of the game when they can afford to do it because, you know, they're leading or whatever the case is. They're really, really good at taking that calculated risk. And that's one of the reasons why he's been so successful. So yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't see this game getting out of hand. I could see how you might be able to see that, but, um, I, I think it should be a fun game. Should, but again, Kansas City is going to end up winning. We're both OKC. Okay, uh, all right. Awesome stuff. Watch CBS Sports HQ. Brady's on there every morning, freezing his little mittens off, um, in the, in the cool Tampa weather. Uh, thanks as always, buddy. Look forward to an awesome Super Bowl. What a game. All right, bud. See you.